You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans of the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrooks.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from Talk Sport. Game day, your verdict. Well, it was another cracking day in the Premier League and it delivered some great entertainment on game day with Talk Sport. Manchester United suffered a loss to Bournemouth, Manchester City and Liverpool both came from behind to win and there was another victory for Frank Lampard's Chelsea. Here is the very best of the reaction to the day's football from all over the country on both the full-time phone-in with Adrian Durham and Mickey Gray and your verdict with me, Laura Woods and Darren Bent. This is Game Day, your verdict, the podcast. Right, let's get straight into it then and head over to the Vitality Stadium with Sam Matterface. And that's enough. Oli Gunnar Solskjaer's 50th Premier League match as a Premier League manager ends as his first did in defeat. Former then Manchester United's mini-revival by beating them for the third time in their history. Only the third time in their history. It's a win that for now takes them into the top six above Manchester United, who are closer to the bottom three than the top four. And the man that done it, who inflicted the damage just before half-time, was a man who was recommended to Manchester United by the current Manchester United boss. Josh King, where's the crown? It's Bournemouth 1, Manchester United 0. Let's uh, bring in Sam Davis from the back of the nets, Bournemouth podcast sam welcome to talk sport 2 how you doing yeah very good adrian not bad at all good to uh, speak to you uh, were you getting a bit worried that you might never score again three not just three <laughs> games without a goal you lost one nil at arsenal which actually is becoming quite an achievement losing at arsenal um couldn't mm. score couldn't score against norwich at home couldn't even score at watford and i was at that game last week were you getting a little bit nervous about these lack of goals uh, yeah, a little bit. I mean, it's great that we've got some kind of uh, defensive solidity at last because we haven't had that for a long time. Uh, during our stint in the Premier League, we've been known as high scorers, but also high conceders. Uh, so until the match at home against Norwich, we'd conceded in every match. Um, that would have been one that we would have hoped to have won. And then we got, as you say, nil-nil at Watford, which, I mean... Not bad result, but yeah, to win 1-0 today, superb. But there was always the sort of element of doubt that have we sacrificed our defensive potency? Uh, sorry, our attacking potency because of our uh, you know, defensive solidity. Sam, sorry, it's Mickey. Hi. Um, you know, it's, it's obviously a fantastic win for you today. Um, you talk about not scoring goals. I mean, what are the expectations for Bournemouth this season? I mean, Eddie Howe's been there for quite a long time now. You know, is it time that they've reached that next level? I mean, I'm not saying that they're ready for Europe, but is that what they should be challenging for? 
I think it probably is based on what we've been spending. I mean, when you look at the size of the club, uh, you would say that treading water and finish anything above 17th would be absolutely fine. However, um, you know, given the personnel that we've got, and I know the aims, um, you know, of Eddie aren't just to be a club that treads water. I think, you know, a top 10 finish might be feasible. I think the E word for Europa might be a little bit too soon. However, uh, you know, I think we just want an increased points tally really because although in one of the seasons I think our second in the Premier League we got our highest ever finish of ninth that was on 46 points so it's a little bit false really because any other season that would have put us in 13th or 14th so more than 46 points and maybe a meaningful cup run because Bournemouth fans cannot stand the fact that we uh, well we put out our second string in the FA Cup and always get knocked out um, just talk to me about Steve Cook because the commentary today, Stuart Pearce was raving about him um, and, and there was a, a conversation between him and our commentator, uh, Sam Matterface, as to, I mean, they were kind of flippant about him being picked for England. And to be honest with you, I can't see it happening, but there's been times when I've watched Steve Cook and thought, wow, there's, there's literally nothing going to get past him. He's, he's like a brick wall sometimes. Yeah, I think so. I mean, to be honest, obviously uh, I've... You know, we've seen Tyrone Mings and he's been picked for England. And I think that Steve Cook is technically the better footballer. Um, but obviously, age isn't on his side. Uh, it was his 150th Premier League appearance today. And he's been a stalwart in the side. And I think he's perhaps not as um, heralded more than, you know, some other players because of the fact he plays alongside Nathan Ake, who seems to get the plaudits week in, week out. And, that you know, there's not many Nathan Ake performances that are less than an 8 out of 10. So I think, you know, it's it's fortunate that he has a great combination, um, you know, playing alongside the Dutchman. However, he is always overlooked. But, yeah, you're right. Uh, he is a brick wall at times and he puts his body on the line. And he's been such an effective player for us and one that has, you know, come up through the championship and into the Premier League and has taken it all in stride, really. Mm. I, I agree with them. Um, I was listening to the commentary today when I was when I was coming to the Etihad, Adrian and uh, Sam. And, um, you know, the lads were, they were building up... Um, Cook and saying he was having a fantastic game, but um, 28, Mickey, is that too old? <laughs> I don't know, Adrian. When I, when I look at him, you know, is he robust? In, does he, is he a last-ditch challenge man? Yes. Is he consistent? Yes, he is. Well, has he has he got that quality to play for England? Look, I'm I'm not being disrespectful, but I, I I don't know if he has. And I think Gareth Southgate looks as if he's going in a different direction. When you look at the the youth in the squad that they've got now. Um, I just think that that opportunity might have passed him by. But then again, you know, Sam, just, um, you just mentioned it before about playing alongside Nathan Aki. Look, you are lucky to have him at your club. I think he's good enough to play for any of the top six sides. I really do. I know where he started his career, obviously. But I see him every week. And yes, sometimes he's got a bit of a mistake in him. But you name me a centre-half who hasn't. There's probably only Van Dijk. After a run of three impressive wins, it comes to an end down here. What do you think the problem was today? They got the first goal. Moment of magic, I have to say, with Josh. And we just couldn't find the quality that we uh, we needed today to, to break through a, a stubborn um, Bournemouth team. I thought they defended really well. We just couldn't uh, capitalise on our decent start. I felt we created openings, got down our right-hand side and we just couldn't get uh, the finishing touch. Was that the problem? You hit the post as well through Mason Greenwood towards the end. You had a couple of opportunities early on. I think the record says you've got four shots on target, but there were half chances in that first few moments as well. Did you just not maximise those? Yeah, uh, 
when you don't score, you, you're not going to win a game of football. Uh, and today, the, their keeper had a few decent saves. We had some strikes off the target, hit the post. But most of it's like uh, from outside the box. We, we couldn't carve them open and get uh, get the big, big chances that we, uh, we hoped for. How much did the conditions play a part today? Because they weren't great, were they? Especially in the first half. Yeah, not great, but you, you can't... Uh, you can't use that as uh, an excuse because I felt it's the same for both teams sometimes the ball stopped in the air but that's uh, just as difficult for strikers as defenders and what is your hope that this defeat doesn't obviously set you back again you've had some good results how do you continue that momentum that you did have prior to today get a reaction of course we've had uh, a nice couple of weeks with some decent results and performances when you get one of these, uh, you need to react and bounce back. Thursday night is a chance for us to go through in Europe if we win that one. So we'll just focus on that one now. Uh, the rumour is is that you were the one who said that Manchester United should sign Josh King all those years ago. Did you regret <laughs> it for a couple of minutes around the half-time mark? Uh, you know, I followed Josh since he, was, um, since he came to United. Uh, and before then, it was about 16, 15, 16. And he's developed into a top player. He's done really well for Norway, doing really well for Bournemouth. And... Uh, I'm not happy he, beat, he scored <laughs> against us, but it's it's great to see him that he's uh, he's having a, a good career. Game day, your verdict on Talk Sport. All right, let's hear from Frank Lampard because he's been speaking to Tony and Chenzo. They are up to third in the Premier League after their win today. Frank, uh, a great win for you again. How do you feel? I'm happy, well deserved. Um, thought we played some great football, big parts of the game. They should have scored more goals. It would have saved us a, a difficult last few minutes. Um, but I can't take away from the players' difficult conditions today. Um, a lot of rain before the game. A team that are fighting because they're at the bottom of the table. And we completely dominated huge parts of the game. So uh, I'm pleased. Tommy Abraham scored the first one. He made the second. He's up to 10 goals now in the League and Cup this season. After three loans out in the Championship, he's really stepped up to the Premier League plate, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, of course. And you know, I knew that with Tammy. I watched him a lot last year and... When I came here, I wanted to get him back. I wanted to get him playing and give him confidence, give him the number nine shirt, all those things. And there's, there's, there's weight on those shoulders. Um, and he's doing it. He's doing it. And that's uh, because he's worked hard. He works hard daily in training. He shows enthusiasm. He wants to score. Um, and he must keep that. He must keep that. If he's got that, then he's showing you what he can do. Cruising uh, at 2-0. And then VAR comes in and there's a big delay. What do you make of all that today? Well, the longer the delay went on, the more worried I became because... Um, I know last week lots of penalties were overturned. It was, I think it was pretty uh, outspoken, the fact that there were some that shouldn't have been. Today shouldn't have been. It wasn't a clear penalty. The referee's decision was not clear. VAR didn't see anything different to a tiny touch. Um, the softest of penalties, if it had been given a game, from what I'm hearing, that the, the referees want to do is not overturn things unless it's absolutely clear. It wasn't that case. So um, really, really disappointed because the game was pretty much finished. Not quite because we hadn't scored enough goals for the chance we created. Uh, and that gave the game life again from their point of view. There you go. That was Frank Lampard speaking after that 2-1 win at Vicarage Road. What I like about Frank Lampard is he's still complaining about those incidents yeah. in that game. They've, they've won the game, but there's that ruthless, that winning mentality in him, isn't it? He doesn't just want to, to win a game or scrape through a game. He wants to see the game out. He wants to kill the game off. What did you think about the penalty incident? Were you Were you with it? Or are you against it? Um, when you look at the replays, it's a penalty. I mean, he, he clipped his legs and the way Delafair goes down, yeah, it's a bit theatrical. But it is a penalty at the end of the day. He's gone past him. Jorginho's give the ball away, I think it was. He's yeah. got past him and he just kind of swiped his legs. And yeah, as I said, the reaction was a little, a little bit over the top. But 
when he looks back in, you look at the contact, there is contact there. And, and as I said, it swings in roundabouts because they, mm. they had a stonewaller against Tottenham that they didn't get. And today it might have been a bit soft, but for me it was a penalty. All right, Pulisic also scored today. He had a hat-trick last weekend. He arrived in the summer, but he's sort of announced his arrival properly to the Premier League in these last couple of weeks, giving Frank something to think about, giving him options. Tammy Abraham, of course, scored as well today. Mm. And he assisted Pulisic too. There's so many positives uh, to take from Chelsea's performances at the moment. And they seem to now be weathering these tests. At the beginning of the season, we weren't sure whether they would weather mm. tests against big teams. I'm not saying Watford necessarily over the bottom of the Premier League, but they're starting to grow into this, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Yeah, and I think the result last week, I mean, going away to Burnley, that's a hard place to go and get a result. And I I think that really opened up a lot of people's eyes because you expected Burnley, big physical, powerful team, to maybe bully Chelsea a little bit, let me make it difficult for them. But they went there and completely blew them away. And then today, getting the goal so early, that helped. And at the minute, they're playing with such confidence and such a freedom that they're surprising a lot of teams. But I think it's going to get to a stage where they're not going to be surprising teams because people are going to be like, well, these are a good team now. We can take these seriously. These young kids are here to stay. They are getting better and they are establishing themselves. And at the minute, Frank's doing a fantastic job. And as you said, with Tammy Abraham, it is important. I understand what you're saying by giving Tammy that number nine shirt because I mean, you've got Olivier Giroud there, who's an established World Cup winner. Michi Bachawari, international, Belgium international. So for you to give it that number nine, which is an iconic shirt to such a young kid, I think was massive. And he's repaying him with the goals and he's been brilliant. I mean, to score, I think he's got nine goals this season, but to score seven away from home, I mean, that is just amazing. That is fantastic for him. And he's only going to get better because he's so young. Interestingly, Didier Deschamps was uh, annoyed. He was complaining that Giroud wasn't getting enough game time and then it's going <laughs> to cause trouble for international selection. And Frank was, I'm not going uh, to prioritise the careers for international duty. Well, there's a little bit going on between them two because there's a whole Canty thing as well, weren't there? Mm. But, with him. but uh, listen, I understand it. At the end of the day, if you're, if you're on form, then you, you deserve it. And, and Tammy Abraham, he's top scorer in the Premier League. He, he's been absolutely tremendous then. To be fair, if you ask him himself, he probably could have more because a couple of times he's finished maybe letting down on a touch. So I'm telling you, you know, he, he could finish easily this season with more than 20 Premier League goals. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18+, begambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Game day, your verdict on Talk Sport. Mickey Gray, very quickly, I'm just going to read you uh, a message uh, from uh, Lawrence, who has uh, messaged us. It's uh, after the Arsenal game. He's a gooner. He says, despite mostly being anonymous in the second half, Mesut Ozil's songs are being sung outside the ground, or were being sung outside the ground after the game. 
Everyone on the walk back up to the train station called for Unai Emery to go. Another lethargic performance from the team at home. Uh, he's referring to what you said about it being a long season. He says it's going to be an especially long long season for Arsenal fans. Uh, he's unimpressed at this moment in time. So what, what is that, Adrian? And after singing Mesodorzel's name and he hasn't had a good game today, is that sarcasm? You know, because they're, they're singing for Emery to go, or they want Emery to go, but they are positive about Mesut Ozil. Are they after a manager? They don't think Emery can get the best out of Ozil, OK? Yeah. So they are they thinking, well, we want the player to be brilliant. They know he can be brilliant. What we need is a manager who consistently can get the best out of Mesut Ozil. Well, did Arsene Wenger get the best out of Mesut Ozil? No. You know, exactly. Did and he went. Unai Emery, yeah. And he went. So... Unai Emery has got to think, right, what is my best 11? Is my best 11 without Mesut Ozil, which he obviously hasn't had a lot of game time this season. He played in midweek, which we talked about, for 60 minutes. He was excellent. He set up a wonderful goal, you know, a very audacious little flick. But by all accounts, he hasn't had the best performance today from what I've just heard from Moose. So, I mean, how many opportunities does this guy keep getting? We know he's got the talent, but does he actually want to be in the Premier League or is he just seeing out this big contract that he's on and waiting for an absolutely huge move when that contract runs out because that's the way it looks to me I mean and that, that for those chants outside of the ground uh, for all it just sounds like sarcasm to me uh, right let's uh, head back to the Emirates Arsenal take on uh, took on Wolves today they drew 1-1 Unai Emery the Arsenal manager with a moose post-match thanks a lot Unai first of all uh, one all draw with Wolves today but from where I was sitting I thought Wolves were the better side do, do you agree with that? Good evening. Yes, we played two matches uh, at home against Crystal Palace against Wolves, and we lost a very good opportunity to, to take that three point, six points. But uh, really, uh, was different matches, and, and I think uh, today this this match we played, we tried, we started to win in one nil. Uh, we know we needed to score the second goal because uh, that team uh, is very consistent in 90 minutes, and they they can take some chances, not a lot, but they can, or they could take that chances and, and, and they score it for, for draw. And then we push it, we get getting their box. Uh, we were getting the, their box for to, to create the chances. Not very clear, but I think uh, we deserve it uh, the last minute also. Uh, we, we were more efficient in attacking, in attacking third to score the second goal, but uh, wasn't enough. And also uh, we worked very well the transition, didn't consider a lot of transition for them because they, they were very, very strong and, and good team in the transition, but uh, wasn't enough. I think we, we lost a very good opportunity uh, to, today. You started Mesut Ozil. Um, you haven't done for ages. Why did you start him today? Yes, he worked it. He played well. And I think he's positive for us. You think he played well today? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, in terms of the team, the team look like they, they're lacking confidence soon. They really do look like they, they, there's just something missing. Would, is that right? Is that, would you agree with that? Yes, the good result uh, gave us uh, confidence and the bad result uh, maybe was a loss a little lot. But uh, our way is, is continuing and uh, we draw the last two matches in the, here at home and, and, and here really I think we, we, will, uh, we will feel confident with, and we will feel strong here with our supporters. But uh, the last two matches I think uh, together we tried to do that and we didn't do uh, but also, I think, uh, for example, today against that team, Wolves, uh, they they 
they show but also the the strong uh, defense uh, structure and and, and also uh, i think the match was equal uh, maybe uh, at at uh, thinking of the points for two teams maybe we deserve more than them but i think it was very equal and different the two teams and the, the key was when we were winning one nil uh, to to manage uh, that moment to score the second for to to talk, not to take that result for us. Finally from me, um, and I appreciate you always talking to us, uh, your next two games are away from home, which might ease the, the, the pressure a little bit, but do you feel under pressure a little bit now? Results have gone against you for, in, in the last few weeks. Do you feel there's a little bit of pressure on you? Demands, but and, um, I am very demanding myself. Well, there you go. That's uh, Unai Emery's verdict after the game. Mickey Gray is at the Etihad. I'm Adrian Durham at Villa Park. The Moose has been at the Emirates uh, today. I, I've got, just got to ask you, on, uh, I, could, I could see your face almost when you were asking that question about Mesut Ozil. He thought he played well and you were saying something completely different, Moose. So who's right? I think I'm right. I mean, I, you know, I, I genuinely don't think he had a great game. I thought it was pretty average. He didn't do anything that necessarily impacted the game. Um, and I thought I asked a perfectly reasonable question. You know, did you play well? Or do you think you played well? And um, Mesut Ozil... I didn't think he played well, but Unai Emery did. So uh, I kind of looked at him and gave him an opportunity to change his mind, but he didn't. Moose, uh, the last five games that they've played, um, that's including the Sheffield United away game, which they lost. But you, the one win that they had in Europe, it took them till the 92nd minute to actually win that football match. The other game before that was Bournemouth, where they scored in the seventh minute. I think it was David Luiz got the goal. He was talking there when you asked the questions about scoring the second goal against Wolves today. Well, they did that against Crystal Palace. So the, it, it sounds to me like they need more than two goals to, kick, you know, to go out and win Premier League matches or football matches at the moment. There's something clearly wrong at the club. Do you think he's getting the best out of the players? Because I don't. No, I agree with you. I don't think he is. That's why I asked him the question at the end about him being under pressure, because I think he is. And they've got Leicester away next week. If, if Chelsea had to win, which they're currently doing at Watford, um, there's now a real gap between Chelsea in fourth and Arsenal in fifth uh, in, the, in the Premier League table. They've got to Leicester next week. I don't think that's at all winnable for, for this Arsenal team. And then you start to think, right, you know, are they going to finish top four this season? Probably not. That surely had to be the bare minimum remit. And I, I think whether or not Unai stays beyond the end of this season, I, I, I'm not sure that uh, we'll see him here next season if, if he doesn't get in the top four. And at the moment, I don't think this team can get in the top where four. Where do they go? Where do they go? If, you know, if Unai Emery leaves the club, you know, where do they go? Who do they look for? I mean, what type of manager? Because they can't keep going down the route of bringing in somebody who they think is going to play the similar type of football as Arsene Wenger. Because if that's what Unai Emery's gone in to do, then they've just got it completely wrong. I mean, do they go down the route of somebody like Rafa Benitez? I mentioned um, Jose Mourinho before, Moose. I, I, I think he's too big for that club. I really do. First of all, the, the, the stat is that in his first 48 games as an Arsenal manager, I think he's got either one point less or the same number of points as Wenger in his last 48 games as Arsenal manager. So there's no difference at the moment between Emery as manager here in terms of what they're achieving and what they achieved in the last days or the, the last year or so under Arsene Wenger. Um, who do they go for? Well, Max Allegri is, is free. Jose Mourinho is free. Uh, of course, David Dean pulled the rabbit out of the hat when Bruce Riott was fired and, and, and gave us Arsene Wenger, who none of us knew anything about. I, I can't see the current Arsenal board 
doing that. But what you have that to remember is century. that although... <laughs> Sorry? <laughs> that was the last century. <laughs> I know. Exactly. But, but there's another, another manager, Moose, that you just mentioned there, Allegri. Is, is he too big for it? You know, I, I'm not saying that tongue-in-cheek. I really believe that. You know, you're talking about two very, very successful guys. Are they actually going to walk into Arsenal with that squad of players that they've got? Well, it, well this, this club, I mean, has, has won a, a couple of FA Cups, but in terms of challenging meaningfully for the title, hasn't done so in now over a decade. Um, I, I get what you're saying, but, you know, you walk around the Emirates, they still think they're one of the biggest clubs in the land. Now, whether they are one of the biggest clubs in the land or not, it's for everyone out there to debate. Uh, sorry, Wolves' uh, physical team, um, backroom staff, rather, just reviewed some of the, uh, the bikes around that they're going to put on the coach. Um, that's the noise you can hear behind me. Um, are they, are they, are, uh, uh, the question was, are the managers too big for Arsenal? Maybe they are. It depends on what you think the job here at Arsenal is. Um, it's surely gone beyond rebuilding now, but there just doesn't seem to be a lot here. I mean, you know, if Aubameyang doesn't score or the centre-halves don't score from a, a corner, no one else seems to score. And they, they can't hang on to lead, so they can't defend. And the away form is poor. Well, those have been the same problems here for, what, five years, ten years, probably since they last won the title. So um, it needs a manager to come in here and, and maybe rip it all up and start all over again like Wenger did in the last century. Anyway, right, Laura and Darren, Emery needs to be sacked tonight. He can't communicate. Listen to his press conferences. Yep. Bring in Mourinho as a stopgap now. Okay, Oh, for a start, you can't bring in Mourinho as a stopgap. No. Jose Mourinho isn't a stopgap. Um, secondly, has he got a point with communication? I've seen a lot of these clips from training go around. I've heard people like Robin Van Persie on BT talking about how he doesn't understand what he's saying. How can the players expect to, him to understand? Is there a communication problem between Emery and the players? Yeah, potentially. From what but, you can see? Potentially, but I don't like really... Um Obviously, his language is not great. I don't really like, obviously, pointing the finger at that. But He's what, learning, isn't he? What, yeah, he's learning. But what I will say is sometimes with his interviews that he'll talk, he talks a lot without actually saying anything. Do you know what I mean? He kind is of that talk, a tactic, though, do you I think? think so. Like, yeah. he, he talks in kind of riddles where you're thinking, we'll get to the point. What exactly are you saying? But for me, I mean, Mourinho, you're right, it's not a stopgap. He, he's a proper manager. And I would, I would gang get him because he's a he's a born winner. Now, listen, you can talk about... You can, listen, you can talk about his tactics and the way he plays the game and people are unhappy with the way he's, he's not evolved, people say. But listen... He knows how to get results. Look at what he's won. In, do you know what I mean? He, his first year at Manchester United, he won three trophies. I know people might go, they're not great, but they're still trophies. He's won the league with Chelsea. He's won the Champions League. He, he knows how, how to get things right. And at the minute, we don't need a, a manager that's gonna that's attacking-minded and wants to go and play this free-flowing football and leave the back door open. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's too easy. You need, you need somebody who's going to start from the back Build mm -hmm. build a team from the back and then go forward because Arsenal scoring goals is not the issue. It's Arsenal leaking goals is the problem. I suppose the question is, would you rather win a game 4-3 or 1-0? I'd rather win a game. <laughs> don't matter if it's 4-3 or what. I'd rather I'd rather not be in a 5-5 like in the week mm. and lose. I'd rather win 1-0, it'd be boring for now and get and get up the league and, and get results. I mean, Arsenal fans after a while might get sick of seeing it. But listen, they might look back at this and go, well, you know what? This was the turning point. At least we're now getting closer to Manchester City, Liverpool. No, sorry, I'm not, that's not even Manchester City or Liverpool. The top four. <laughs> do you know what I mean? At the minute, we're talking about Leicester and Chelsea getting close to them. But playing this brand of football, it's clearly not working. I mean, I'm just looking here at the stats at home. Arsenal had 10 shots at home. Wolves had 25. That, that can't happen at home. Game day, your verdict on Talk Sport. Now, we're going to go and speak West Ham. This is Dan Lawless. Welcome to the show. Dan, how are you? Yeah, not too bad, Hi, considering, Dan, guys. Can, me on. I'm yeah, considering. <laughs> uh, now, you are the host of West Ham TV. Um, I have to ask the question, is it a little bit like Arsenal fan TV, where you enjoy losing because you get more views? 
No, no, not at all. I mean, we're, we're, it's West, West Ham fan TV. If you go West Ham TV, you get the Ropey official channel. But um, okay, yeah, no. But no, it's 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 one of them things of I, I hate it because when we lose, when we get battered, you can't just go home and forget about the game. You've got to relive it by interviewing every <laughs> single fan over and over again and really and dissect it. Yeah, and you just want to forget about it. But uh, that's 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 the downside to it. Dan, but, uh, it is a bit of therapy. I'm sorry, I'm going to have to ask you to dissect it now yeah, on, on National say, yeah. Radio. Um, that's why we got you on, apologies. But a few weeks no, ago, we, we were talking to West Ham players. They were saying behind the scenes, Mark Noble was saying at Declan Rice that it was a brilliant atmosphere. I think they strung together something like three clean sheets in a row, which they hadn't done for a really long time. Where's it all gone wrong now? It's, do you know what? It's so hard to say. I mean, obviously, look, we've lost Fabianski, who's, who's a big, big uh, player for us, such a great keeper. But the keeper situation isn't even our biggest problem. It's just the lack of creativity. You know, we, we've scored two goals today, which is, is flatters us massively. But we really struggle to break things down, to teams down. We struggle to create clear-cut chances. And it's I just don't understand Pellegrini. A lot of the time, he's starting lineups and the tactics. It's it's, it's and a lot of times it's hard to watch. Just pass, 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 pass. Not enough directness. Not enough forward passes. It's really frustrating to watch. It's difficult you saying that because when you look at the players at West Ham, I've got like the um, Felipe Andersons and and Haller. Mm. I mean, I thought you finally got a centre forward there. It looks like he can score goals pretty consistent. Lanzini, Yarmolenko. I mean, these are these are attackive, creative players. Like, what is going on with them guys? I mean, I mean, the, one of the, the the chances I saw in Newcastle was Felipe Anderson running back chasing Maxim, Saint Maximum for one of their chances. So I thought maybe that the problem was defensively because attacking wise, it's quite surprising you saying that you're not creating many chances because. Them names I just read out. I thought that you'd be creating chances left, right, and centre. That's that's the biggest. That's the biggest worry. I mean, Sebastian Allaire, like he's I mean, the guy's brilliant. I mean, but the problem is, is he thrived playing in a two up top mm. at Frankfurt, and now he's so isolated. He's up front playing on his own, and there's no one near him. You know, he wins knockdowns, and there's no one there to pick up the knockdown. So he's expected to win the knockdown, win the ball and then go and score. Um, and then Anderson as well. Like The problem is, is he's on the wing. A lot of the time, he'll let Creswell overlap him. So he'll drop back so deep. Where, and now we've got our left back trying to with, with, win the final ball and you know put the final ball in. So it, we've got these quality players. I don't know whether it's just the tactics, it's the setup or their confidence. But something's definitely wrong because our, our attack is a big problem. I mean, the, the defence there, the thing is, we're playing a high line. Yeah. And, Newcastle's counter-attacking wow. game. Just <laughs> that, that was going to be my next question because when I was obviously watching the game, first half, Newcastle were flying forward at will. And even when you look at you look at the possession and the stats and stuff, it's all West Ham dominant, but they conceded that many chances. I mean, first half, the game should have been outside. Yeah, they, yeah, exactly. They had, they had two one-on-ones, which, you know, you've got to give credit to the keeper. Yeah. You know, he made the save. But, but the, 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 the decision to start Zabaleta again, is, is baffling. We have one of the fastest players in the league with Fredericks. Yeah. And he's starting Zabaleta. Look how quick their, their attacking players are, their wingers, um, Newcastle. And you're playing Zabaleta, who's what, 34? Yeah. You know, it's, I don't understand it. Mm. Dan, obviously that comes down to the manager's decision and his team selection. Are the fans starting to turn on Manuel Pellegrini now? Look, I mean, we, we interviewed quite a few fans today and the majority want him gone now, you know. The majority have had enough. You know, I'm not. I'm not quite in that camp yet. I'm not. I don't see the point of sacking Pellegrini right now. And we're not looking like we're in a relegation battle yet. 
um, who else are we going to bring in? But a lot of fans are at that point now where they just want him, they want him to go. They've had enough and they think it's time for a change. There's not many easy games in the Premier League. But your next game, you've got to go to Turf more. That's going to be really tough, tough. isn't it? Yeah. Is, you know what? I see us, I see us losing there and then Spurs roll around and what happens? We step up our game, we, we smash Spurs and everything's all hunky-dory again, isn't it? That's, that's typical. I mean, it, it, we don't do well at Burnley, but yeah, you can bank on us turning up for Spurs. This is, this is the problem, isn't it? Is, is this inconsistency that seems to be plaguing you? Yeah, we, we looked like we was finally getting somewhere. You know, obviously the last win was the Man United game, which was like six games ago. But after Man United, we was on cloud nine. And now, we, you know, it's, it's all looking doom and gloom again. And I just don't know, going forward, what the solution is, because it looks like the same situation we had under Moyes, Village, where we've got a big Sam. It's just nothing seems to change. We've spent a lot of money here, and that's the big frustration. We've spent, you know, yeah. some serious money for some quality, and it's just not where we need it to be. Game day, your verdict on Talk Sport. Talking to Liverpool, they turned it around. They were losing 1-0 here at Aston Villa. Andy Robertson's uh, far post header equalised for them. And in injury time, Sadio Mane got the winner for Liverpool and their fans went crazy, as you would imagine. Jurgen Klopp, the Liverpool manager, spoke afterwards with Talk Sports' Tom Ross. Lots of teams at uh, 1-1, right late in the game, would settle for the point, but your team didn't. Your team were always trying to win it, even in stoppage time. Yeah. It's not that we that we talk about it like this and say, boys, if there's you see ninety plus two and it's one one, we go with all we have. We try. We of course we try. We don't want to open up in the back and stuff like this. But when we have the ball, we always try to 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 score. If it's the ninety second, ninety third, or it's the fifteenth minute, so it doesn't change too much. Um, look, I know it happened now quite often for us, but um, still not often enough to be one hundred percent honest. But um, often and. Um, we just don't. I don't want to talk about it in a in the wrong way. That's like for us, it will always happen because it doesn't. It, it, there will be moments when it does not work. We have to make sure that we don't come in that situation too often, where we have to score in extra time. Um, yeah, but how we always said, there's so much space for improvement for us, and hopefully, we use the time smart. Just finally, adversity there for you. You had a goal ruled out that most people watching thought it was a good goal. But you still kept going and going, and second half dominated the game. And you know, I suppose you're probably thinking just reward in the end. Look, in a game you don't know exactly. We were, we thought it's a goal, to be honest. But that's our view. So it was. Uh, it Most was people clear. did. Yeah, it was clear. It was really close. And then you, you, you cannot change it. Eh? Um, we just, I think there was a problem. It may have a handball target and uh, blocks a shot. So that's how it is. We have, we, we have to accept things like this. I don't think we were. It doesn't um, pull too much on us in all directions. We just we, we, when you saw the city, the whole team, one 0 for them, celebrating. We ball is there. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. Everybody was like excited. We were nil, nil point nil. We, we, we accept that maybe it's a goal. Then we have to carry on. If not a goal, then we can still think about it. So everything was. Everybody was calm. So I liked that a lot. Yeah. And then we started chasing the game. There you go, Jurgen Klopp with uh, TalkSport's Tom Ross after the game. Tom is with me here at Villa Park. Actually, before we talk about the game, and, and I've just shown Tom a picture of the uh, VAR offside, which ruled out Firmino's goal. I've sent the picture to Mickey Gray uh, as well. I'm, I'm just trying to remember your uh, reply, Mickey. Was, was it clean? It was, was it? That's a disgrace, <laughs> yeah. you said. I mean, it, Firmino was... Uh, the goal was ruled out for offside. It's... It's an extraordinary decision, and we're looking at it again, Tom. I mean, at the time we were a bit dubious, weren't we? But I thought it was a good goal. But I have to say, <clears throat> don't blame VAR. 
blame the rules because if the rules are that if you are an inch offside you're offside then VAR is not the problem the IAFP is who make the rules yeah. so it should be clear advantage to the to the striker in other words he should have clear daylight between him and the defender then he's offside and he's got an advantage that's a nonsense let's be fair well Mickey I mean I understand what I totally get what you're saying you're absolutely correct is offside, you know, a bit like goal line technology, you're either off or you're not, or should they be, there be a bit more leeway? Does that mean the rule has to change, or does it mean we can't apply VAR to offside, Mickey? Well, the rule's not going to change, Adrian, this season, or I personally don't think it is. So why are we, get, why are we still getting this inconsistency? Right, we brought VAR in, and I'm sure it wasn't cheap. You know, they spent millions and millions of pounds. It took a long time for us to get VAR. I think everybody had a vote. I think it was all the clubs had a vote and say that they wanted it in. Now, every single week, we might be seeing a great football game or we might be seeing an average football game. But f what for 70% of the time, all we seem to talk about is VAR. It's doing my nothing because... I mean, I just want to be talking about a great game of football. Yes, you just sent me that picture, Adrian, and I'll watch it later on and probably make my own mind up. But he looks as if he's in offside position. So why can somebody not call down to the referee and say, look, he's offside? It doesn't make sense to me. What is the point in having it if they're not going to use it in certain, certain situations? It's the same thing with the cameras on the side of the pitch. I was talking to somebody about this yesterday. Um, if you've got cameras on the side of the pitch, why not use them? It doesn't make sense to me because... It's right in front of the referee. He's the one who's refereeing the game. He's got a camera in front of him. If he's made a mistake or somebody's told him he's made a mistake, surely you want to see the mistake that you've made. So you come across to the side of the pitch and you have a look at that camera. And you, what's the, I don't know what the problem is. Are they just trying to keep the game flowing? Because I think it was Martin Atkinson. I think that was talking to somebody about Martin Atkinson yesterday. If he, if he thinks or somebody thinks that he's made a a mistake you come across to the side of the pitch you have a look at the mistake that they think you've made and then you either say to the people in the room at Stockley Park and you go right you're correct I've made a mistake I'm going to reverse that uh, decision I've just made or you go no I'm sticking with my decision because when the ball was played he was in an onside position why have VAR why have the cameras why are we having this conversation yet again about a stupid decision that could have won or lost or drawn a game for Aston Villa today I'm told, um, Mickey, I was told by uh, Premier League referee like yourself that they have to be invited to look. Referee can't just decide to go to the side and look. Well, no one's he been invited be in, yet, he has Tom, to be in, No, exactly. But he has to be invited by... <laughs> the, so you actually question who's refereeing the game, the man in the studio or the man on the it's pitch. It's like going round Adrian's for a cup of tea. I've never <laughs> been invited round there either. Is the hey, invite in the post? <laughs> hey, that, that makes two of us, but I know a, I know a squirrel who's been invited. <laughs> we were attacked by a squirrel today. That's, that's breaking news. But, but seriously, VAR is taken away. But... You know, it did, did take away. There was great atmosphere in here today. Let, but in those moments, there were a couple of VAR things. Where, where was VAR when you need it? You don't need it for facts. What you, factual things that have happened. You need it for things that you can't see. Like, for example, should Sadio Mane have been on the pitch to score that goal? He's been booked for simulation. Not long afterwards, it, and you could see clearly, he tugs an Aston Villa shirt. Yep. Tugs a shirt. That should have been a second yellow, and he's off the pitch, and he doesn't score. The, do you see what, now, yeah. that's where you want VAR. Mm. That's where you need VAR. I think that that is it's a great point, and he did get away with it there, but it was a wonderful, wonderful header, Tom. Let's, uh, listen, I think that we've just had the perfect tweet from a Villa fan. Glenn Pinson has tweeted us at TalkSport Drive. He says, I'm a Villa season ticket holder. Liverpool's class got the win in the end, but I'm so proud of Villa. Well played, Liverpool. Your fans were class. It was a brilliant winner 
from uh, Liverpool, a fantastic header from Mane. I mean, it's, I think it's quite breathtaking. Without being like a 30-yard thunderbolt into the top corner, it's just a wonderful technique hey, from him. You, it, listen, it was an amazing goal, but if that was England against Argentina, we'd have been saying, should he have been on the pitch to score the True. winner against England? That's the reality. And you want you want a fair game called, that should have been a... Mane should have had a second yellow and been off the puck, in my opinion. Game day. The biggest football league in the world. Game day. Your verdict on Talk Sport. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.